Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Hello, MD Nation. Before we get started with today's show, I want to talk to you guys about one of our sponsors presenting this episode called Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. Be sure to reference this show when you sign up, the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and go to podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. And now for the show. Welcome to Belly Up Sports, MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. What is going on, MD Nation? As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and I want to thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Guess what? We are one week away. One week away from the start of the NFL season through all of the horrible Horrible events that have taken place so far in 2020 to the decimation of sports as we know it. Somehow, we actually have the NFL starting exactly on time, exactly when it was planned to be, and is the probably the only normal thing that I can think of in my 2020 life to actually remain normal. The only thing. So thankful that football is back at the week away. The Houston Texans, the Kansas City Chiefs. We have today's show and tomorrow's show, which are both going to be part of a larger umbrella called Around the Fantasy World. I thought about, you know, what would be the best thing for our last two quote unquote offseason shows? What would be the best thing to talk to you guys about to make sure you knew before heading into your last weekends of your draft? Or if you've already drafted, what are some things that you need heading into week one now? And the best thing that I could come up with was making sure you guys were completely up to date with the news and notes from around the league in the NFL throughout training camp. Maybe some guys that you missed along the way, some injuries you missed along the way, some uh, praises, some negativity, some critiques along the way from coaching staffs about different players to give you kind of an idea of what to expect for week one. And we had, you know, we had big time, unless you've been living under a rock, you, we've had big time news come out this, this week. Of course, we're going to be talking about that in today's show. So today's going to be Around the Fantasy World Part 1, and then we're going to have Around the Fantasy World Part 2 tomorrow. 
And then next week, next Thursday, starts it all. We will have our first normally programmed regular season episodes starting next Thursday when we do the Thursday preview, which will be the Thursday night preview game, along with previewing the 1 o'clock, the early Sunday games. And then, of course, on Friday, we get back to it then, too. We get back to it with the Thursday night recap and then the preview for the 4 o'clock, the Sunday night, the Monday night games. And, of course, Thursdays and Fridays shows, the preview episodes always have a mailbag segment. So make sure you're utilizing that throughout the season. We're going to be there for you guys 24-7. So contact us on the MD Nation hotline, 609-362-2480. Or contact us on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, at BellyUpMDFFShow. Or email us directly, MDSFantasyFootball at gmail.com. And make sure you're, got, make sure you're following us and have those notifications up on Twitter at BellyUpMDFFShow, because that's what's going to keep you up to date throughout the season 24-7, because we're, we're always on top of it. We're always working there for you, and we're going to be there for you, and we're going to get your questions on the air, and we're going, to, we're going to talk about your questions when you ask us on social media, wherever it is. We're going to make sure that you guys are being the best fantasy owners that you can possibly be to help you win a championship along the way. That's what we're here for. That's why I thought it was vitally important that today's show be... News and notes from around the league. Some, maybe making sure that you guys have everything that you need. Making sure that you guys didn't miss anything. And being able to go from there. So first things first, right? I mean, this should be a no-brainer. The Jaguars. We're starting with them. You could probably start with them and hit up the Saints at the same time. But yes, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they shocked the world on, I believe it was Monday. Cutting Leonard Fournette. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe they actually cut Leonard Fournette. And then I could not believe the ensuing onslaught of insults being hurled at Leonard Fournette. We knew he was a bust. He's fat. He's slow. He's a locker room detriment. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Leonard Fournette has one of the best speed size combinations in the game. He didn't fit John Gruden or Jay Gruden's system. What? Jay Gruden's system is based on running, play action, conservative West Coast concept. What do you mean he didn't fit Jay Gruden's system? Jay Gruden is the same guy who ran out Adrian Peterson for the past couple of years. Leonard Fournette doesn't have a same, have a similar game to Adrian Peterson at this point in his career. He ran out Rob Kelly for a stretch in his career. He's always had a bigger physical downhill running type of back. What do you think Leonard Fournette is? But, you know, whatever. That's neither here nor there at this point for fantasy football purposes. If you're a Leonard Fournette owner, I think you have to be counting your lucky stars this morning, even late last night, that he actually signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because that was the first thing that I said on my Twitter feed. The number one place for him to wind up at from a fantasy perspective was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And even from an NFL perspective, it was a good move too because it's a team that we all know is all in to try to make the Super Bowl this season. But this was the best case scenario for Leonard Fournette. It was one of the few places that, one, 
you're going to be on a very successful offense or an offense that's built to be very successful, at least with the amount of talent that they have. Bruce Arians as the head coach and a great play caller, Byron Leftwich there. You do fit this system because Bruce Arians has always loved his bigger backs who can hit the hole and run downhill, run more of a power scheme, even though he has a vertical throwing offense. He's always kind of based his running game off of that. Leonard Fournette fits that very, very well. We know Ronald Jones is nothing special. Sorry, Ronald Jones tutors out there. Sorry, Ronald Jones fantasy owners out there. Because when you saw that news last night or this morning, you knew you were screwed. Because I had seen... Now, if you were listening to MD Nation, hopefully you heeded my advice. And you probably didn't wind up with too many shares of Ronald Jones, if at all. Because I had kept telling you guys, no. This is not a guy that's worth taking before the ninth or the 10th round. This is not a guy worth taking as anything more than maybe a boomer bust type of uh, product. Nothing more than that. I cannot tell you how many drafts I was in this past weekend. And I cannot tell you how many leagues Ronald Jones went between the fourth and the sixth round. I was stunned. Stunned. Ronald Jones is not a good player, guys. He doesn't have very good vision. He doesn't have very good hands. We have still yet to see him actually perform competently in pass protection. Does he have the athletic speed size combo that a lot of people get excited about? Sure. But he's not good. He's not efficient. This is the same guy who could not beat out Peyton Barber to own that backfield outright last season. And Bruce Arians prefers to have a featured guy. So it wasn't like Bruce Arians was holding him back. It wasn't like he was sitting there. He's one of these coaches who would rather have a committee. That's not what he prefers. And Ronald Jones still couldn't even beat out Peyton Barber. Now, the first thing in the news this morning was that, you know, Bruce Arians comes out and says, Ronald Jones is still our guy. Here's the thing about Bruce Arians. Uh, he's, he's one of these coaches that's a notorious liar. He is. Uh, you, you everything he says you take you pretty much put in one ear and out the other. Now, having said that for you Leonard Fournette owners out there, would I feel comfortable playing Leonard Fournette week one against the Saints? No. No, I would not. One, the Saints run defense is notoriously good. But two, it's he literally has a week from today, or in his case, okay, ten days. He has a week and a half to learn the playbook, get enthralled into the offense, there's a very good chance that he is not going to be the bell cow guy come week one. And Ronald Jones probably will have a significant role and maybe does even wind up getting a majority of touches for week one. But it's only going to be for week one. And it's only going to be because Leonard Fournette still needs a little bit more time to get into the playbook. But I expect no reason why he shouldn't be fully enthralled by week two. And talent-wise, it's not close. Ronald Jones cannot hold Leonard Fournette's jockstrap when it comes to talent on the NFL field. Not only is this the best thing for Leonard Fournette from a fantasy perspective, but from a career perspective, getting out of Jacksonville, going to Tampa Bay, which is a team that should be competing for the playoffs. A better, not great, but a better offensive line than what he was in, but a much better offensive, a much better environment, a much better situation altogether. I would not be surprised... If we see a very motivated Leonard Fournette, I would not be surprised if we saw a turning point Leonard Fournette this season. 
And this is just not this is not just coming from a guy who actually has a fair amount of Leonard Fournette shares. And honestly, before he signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I thought I was going to be coming on to this show and venting my woes of, sorry. But now it pans out. Now that third round or early fourth round pick that you spent on Leonard Fournette is actually at value again. That's right. He's at value with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I've updated my rankings if you go to www.bellyupfantasysports.com or they're also available on fantasynation.com and they're also available on fantasypros.com. Uh, just a lot of we're going to be competing in the Fantasy Nation expert contest this year weekly and also for draft season so kind of keep your eyes out for that. Uh, very exciting stuff. But we updated our rankings. And of course we always do this from a half point PPR when I have to talk when we talk about this in the show. And as soon as my computer wants to work, I'll tell you where I have Leonard Fournette at. But we got him as RB17. So I actually brought him up a few spots from where I had him when he was with Jacksonville. He's higher for me. Because before, I had him about RB22, RB21. Now I have him at RB17. Is he in line to probably get the same amount of touches that he was in Jackson Jacksonville? Maybe not. He may not get the same amount of touches, the same amount of volume that he was looking for. But the reason he comes up off the board for me is because his efficiency should go up. His touchdowns, most importantly, should go up. This is a guy who's going to have plenty of opportunity from really everywhere when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's going to have plenty of opportunity for end zone. They're going to score a lot. And he's not going to have the same pathetic offensive line in front of him that he did in Jacksonville. So all of a sudden, Leonard Fournette is a guy who has double-digit touchdown capabilities with maybe eight touchdowns being his floor. And that's just from the rushing aspect of it. Because he is a better pass catcher than Ronald Jones, he is a better pass protector than him, because I do expect him to have the full workhorse load Maybe starting week two, but definitely at some point early on in the season after week one. Well, then he's going to have, he should have about 50 receptions. He should have about 450 to 500 receiving yards. And that should give him about two to three receiving touchdowns to go with it. This was the best thing that could have happened to Leonard Fournette. If you're a Ronald Jones owner, you're screwed. No one's going to want to touch Rojo, first and foremost. All you have now in your hands is a handcuff to Leonard Fournette, who you most likely did not draft. I mean, there's there's probably a scenario out there where there might be somebody who does have a Fournette and a Rojo because it, it can work out that way, but most likely not. And even if you do have Fournette and you have Rojo, then you spend a six-round pick on a handcuff. It's not going to kill your drafts. That's what we're here for. That's what the MD's Fantasy Football Show is here for. You can still overcome taking if you've taken Rojo in the fifth or sixth round. Now, if you did that, you ignored our advice in the first place. But we will still be here for you to pick up the pieces. Don't you worry. Now we went a bit a little long on that, but that was the that was the big, you know, that was the big fantasy implication of the week that we had to talk about. So the rest of these we're gonna kinda go through pretty quickly. Um, and sticking with Jacksonville while we do it. So we got to talk about Raquel Armstead. We got to talk about Chris Thompson. We got to talk about what their what their deal is there. And what I can say to you is as far as that goes is that look, 
Raikel Armstead, he's been he's been missing some practices. He's been a little bit banged up. Uh, Devin, I don't even want to try his last name, but Azigabu, uh, Azigabue. I, I, you know, I know I'm butchering that, but you guys know who I'm talking about. Uh, there's a chance that maybe if Raikel Armstead's not good to go, he'll get some early opportunity. But from all intents and purposes, Raikel Armstead, if he's good to go for week one, is going to be the guy who gets the first crack at it. Now, will he maintain that? I don't know. I think this could be easily be a Miami Dolphins situation where we wind up seeing five different running backs out of that backfield this year. Is Armstead worth owning early on in the season? Yeah, because if he does get some continuity, if he does, uh, if it does look like he's going to get some goal line carries, if it does look like he's going to get the bulk of the work and he's able to perform competently or adequately, then he's going to have some fantasy value as a starting fantasy running back. But the guy who I want the most out of this backfield, whether you're in half point, full point PPR or standard scoring is Chris Thompson. I had already been a little bit lower on Fournette going into this season than most because I was an advocate that Chris Thompson was going to see a passing down role signing again with Jay Gruden. He wasn't just going to be a depth player and never on the field. Now, this move guarantees, I think in everyone's eyes now, that Chris Thompson's definitely going to have at least that passing down role, if not more than that. He's probably going to be the most trusted running back to Jay Gruden in this offense. Now, is it a matter of time before he gets hurt? Sure. But in the meantime, especially if you're in half point and full point PPR leagues, this is a guy who does have a high floor in a flexed, valuable position. Because he's going to get all the passing work. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, now they just got rid of Leonard Fournette. I mean, if you thought they were going to be pass-heavy before because of the way that defense shapes up, because of how much they're going to have to be coming back from behind, ooh, they might be passing the ball 75% of the time. That means Chris Thompson could even see the field more so than Rykel Armstead just lining up in shotgun 24-7. So the guy I want the most is Chris Thompson. The guy I will probably keep as long as he is healthy throughout the season, is Chris Thompson. But Rykel Armstead, I think, is worth owning if you have the spot for it. Just to see what happens. You may wind up draft you may wind up dropping him after a couple of weeks, and that's completely fine. But just to see what happens. You don't want to let NFL starting running backs go by the wayside. The only other note that I have for the Jaguars themselves, LaVisca Chenault, is actually looking like he might wind up being the wide receiver three. So it looks like he may be usurping Chris Conley and taking that third receiver spot. Now, from a redraft perspective, I still don't think he has a ton of value, but he is somebody to kind of keep your eye on because he is very explosive. So maybe he's somebody who later on the season, when he gets to the bye weeks, maybe he's a, a boomer bust play potential. Maybe he's a guy who has some DFS potential. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? 
that's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Moving on, we go to Washington. Uh, the notes out of Washington have pretty much been, Tony Gibson has been splitting the first team reps with AP, but AP is, of course, going to be the guy who's expected to be the main ball carrier on first and second down and the goal line. That's not really a surprise to this show. That's kind of what we expected the case to be. AP's been somehow very good even the past couple of years, uh, even in that role, even in you know not being involved in the passing game, still going for about 1,000 rushing yards each of the past two seasons and has been a big-time cultural guy in that locker room and I think will continue to do so for Ron Rivera. Antonio Gibson, I know there's a lot of excitement about him. Do not let someone else make that mistake. Do not blow your load on Antonio Gibson and drafting him too early. If you can get him late in drafts as a handcuff or as a guy that you just want to take a flyer on, then I'm okay with that. But really, I don't see where Antonio Gibson has a ton of value. It's not like AP's been banged up a lot the past couple of seasons. It's not that he couldn't be banged up, but it's not that he has been banged up. So I'm not counting on that. Antonio Gibson, to me, is more of a gadget player. Does it make sense as of now being what he's been that he's been getting the first team reps that he should be the main passing down back? He should be. This is also a team that should be coming from behind probably quite a bit. But this is a guy who hasn't played a lot in his collegiate career coming in. This is a guy that I think there's a lot more question marks and people are excited by his skill set and I, I get it, his versatility. The Ron Rivera's talked him up. You know, comparing to Christian McCaffrey, he's always going to overblow things but I would just it wouldn't surprise me if he wound up being nothing more than a gadget player for this team with maybe becoming a passing down specialist but I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't early in the season they still have Bryce Love on the team I I think they're gonna cut Bryce Love that seems to be what the um indication is going to be but JD McKissick is definitely making the team because of special teams. And I wouldn't be surprised if J.D. McKissick, early on in the season at least, was the main passing down back. While Antonio Gibson still learns pass protections and gets himself enthralled. Because remember, this is a guy who's more of a gadget player coming in. He wasn't a true running back in college. So he has more of a learning curve he has to get through. So they might be excited by his skill set, but I think he's going to get off to a slow start. But just something to keep in mind there. Moving on to the Tennessee Titans. Corey Davis in training camp. The notes are that it looks like he put that toe surgery behind him. He's looked explosive. He looks hungry because he's getting to a contract year. And all I have to say to that is blah, 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 blah. Corey Davis is a bust. Corey Davis never learned how to run routes. He's never capitalized on his athleticism. He's not a guy who I trust throwing the ball to in traffic. A.J. Brown is a superstar wide receiver. This offense only has room for one really good fantasy-producing wide receiver. 
So Corey Davis having positive talk about him in camp, I could care less because it's going to be all about A.J. Brown as far as receiving court goes for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Brown did leave practice on August 28th with an undisclosed reason, but he was back at practice yesterday, so A.J. Brown himself is good to go. And, of course, Adam Humphreys is expected to play the slot. No surprise there. Also, do not care (laughs) for fantasy purposes anyway. Now, John New Smith, on the other hand, he has been getting praised all camp long. He is the guy that they said that they expect a big breakout from. That from if there's going to be a Tennessee Titan who breaks out, they expect it to be John New Smith. I've been hyping up John New Smith pretty much all offseason long, talking about how I love what this guy brings to the table, how I love that the opportunity that he has before him, not only with Arthur Smith as the offensive coordinator, but with no Delaney Walker going into a full offseason, knowing that he is going to be the starting tight end. I love what that could be for John New Smith. That's why he's one of our top end tight end twos, and I would not be surprised if he finished within the top 10 at tight ends either. And I, so that's why I think he's, he's one of our guys over our sleepers. Just last week when we talked about our best five, bus five, sleeper five tight ends, he was one of our sleepers for that reason. This it could be last year's Mark Andrews along with Hayden Hurst. That could be that guy. We like John New Smith quite a bit. So if you want to wait to the double digit rounds to take a tight end, which is normally what I like to do because of roster construction, John New Smith is definitely somebody on that short list of tight ends who I'm going to be targeting within that range. And he's has not disappointed throughout camp as far as all indications go. Now, of course, we talked about Tampa Bay already a little bit while we talked about Leonard Fournette. We talked about the backfield. My notes were going to be, before he signed there, that there had already been reports about Jones still struggling to catch the ball out of the backfield in camp, throughout camp, and has been struggling with drops. Now, it wasn't just him. It was also Keyshawn Vaughn and LaShawn McCoy, apparently, too, were all struggling. But this is just another reason why I think it's, it's, not, it's only, only going to take one week before we see Leonard Fournette as a true workhorse back because he's walking into a situation. He's not just a powerful downhill runner. He's the best pass catcher. So it's only a matter of time. It's really only until they are comfortable with him with the playbook and Tom Brady is comfortable with him, probably more importantly, before he's out in the field 24-7. So just to kind of speak to that point. Now, as far as Gronk goes which was the other note that I had here, because everybody else is pretty much status quo. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin are doing what you would expect them to do. Um, we The note is that Gronk may be third in tight end in snaps, but his athleticism has been impressing. He looks explosive. He's been hard to cover. He's been the mismatch in the passing game that you would hope him to be. And my note is that Mark Andrews was third on his team in snaps at tight end and was still the tight end three overall for the season last year in fantasy football leagues. So as long as Gronk is going to be out there on passing downs, on two-minute drills, on you know no huddles, comebacks, on red zone situations, as long as he's going to be in there for that, which I think is what the plan is, that's what it seems to be anyway, then he's going to be just fine for fantasy purposes because he's going to be out there on the field in those situations that you would want your tight end to be anyway. O.J. Howard's going to be asked to block a lot this season. He's going to be their Hayden Hurst. And Cameron Brate's going to be their Nick Boyle. And the guy who gets all the glory is going to be Rob Gronkowski. 
Not to mention that the person who has the most chemistry with Tom Brady right off the bat has been Rob Gronkowski. And they've talked about it in camp how it looks like they haven't missed a beat. They're going to utilize that. So this just amplifies why I have Gronk ranked as the number 10 tight end overall and why I think he actually has a pretty good season in front of him. Before we move on here, I do want to talk to you guys about a sponsor of the show called the DFS Doctors. Daily fantasy sports experts guiding you to be a winner in the NFL, the NBA, and the MLB. The DFS Doctors are a team with seven plus years of experience in DFS who conduct comprehensive data analysis using advanced metrics to provide you with high-quality FanDuel and DraftKings lineups. Their goal is for you to win big without having to spend hours researching yourself. And now if you use the promo code BELLYUP, you will get 15% off your next subscription. So check them out at the DFS Doctors on Twitter or at CouchSmackSports.com. Now, moving on to San Francisco that we have up here for you guys. Like I said, we're just going through these. We're making sure you guys are up to date. I do have a few mailbag questions. I forgot to add that. We are gonna ha- we do have a few mailbag uh, questions at the end of the show. Remember, if you want to get on tomorrow's show, because I still haven't finalized the mailbag list for tomorrow, make sure you're hitting us up on Twitter and on Facebook at BellyUpMDFFShow. Or make sure you call in, 609-362-2480. Leave a voicemail, and we'll get you on the show that way. But ask your questions. I'm here for you. I promise. No, so for San Francisco, Kittle was expected back soon. I think, from what I understand, Kittle did a limited participant in practice yesterday, so he's back. He was never in question for week one, so there was never any doubt about that aspect of it. Just, you know, it always makes you feel better when you have your superstar uh, tight end back in action where you need him to be. So he's back and good to go. Jordan Reed impressed quite a bit his debut and has impressed since... While practicing in training camp over the past, I want to say, a week or so now. This is important. Because even though there's, there are notes and news coming out now that Debo Samuel and Brayden Ayuk might both be available for week one, or at least both available to practice next week, there's still some, they, they are both still at this point considered questionable for week one at best. But let's say both Brayden Ayuk and Debo Samuel can't go. Jordan Reed is going to become very important very early on because now all of a sudden you're looking at your receivers being Kendrick Bourne and and Trent Taylor, Dante Pettis, Kevin White, Tavon Austin, J.J. Nelson. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing to be excited about. So against the Arizona Cardinals, who were the worst defense against the tight end last season, to have George Kittle and Jordan Reed, that might be the... I don't know, 90% of the passing attack for week one against the Arizona Cardinals. So Jordan Reed, to me, is somebody who I'm putting it out there now. If Ayuk and Debo Samuel both cannot go that week one, he could be a sneaky little DFS pickup in his own right. And I think he's going to be somebody who's going to be a factor in his passing game in general. The 49ers run a lot of two tight end sets as it is anyway. Now we're leaning towards Brandon Ayuk probably being available week one. Of, of the two, between Ayuk and Debo Samuel, it looks more promising that Ayuk will be available week one. But there's still going to be questionable on something we're still going to have to keep our eyes on, just so you guys are aware. Obviously, Jarek McKinnon has been raved about all offseason long. He hasn't played in two years. So we don't know. We don't know what he's going to actually look like in NFL game time situation. We don't know what he looks like after two years of ACL injuries, if he really, truly has his explosiveness. But the reports have been the linebackers have had problems 
covering him. The reports have been that if all goes well, they plan on Jarek McKinnon being their main third down pass catching back. And the thing about Kyle Shanahan is that I don't doubt him anytime he says a running back is going to have some sort of role because he is the one guy who will sit there and run out five running backs in one game if he feels like it. It's why I don't want to touch Raheem Mostert. And I don't understand the people I don't understand the people out there who've been t- who've been drafting Raheem Mostert in the what, 4 through 6 round territory? Why? You know San Francisco is going to be a nightmare. You know that it New England Patriots and San Francisco 49ers are backfields that are impossible to predict, possible to project. If you had to put a gun to my head and say choose one, yes, I, we would say Raheem Mostert. That's why he's ranked as high as he is, or he's ranked higher than the other ones are. But as far as drafting purposes go, Tevin Coleman's much more worth it. Tevin Coleman is still the favorite running back in Kyle Shanahan's eyes, who he wants to use. He just Raheem Mostert's just backed him to a corner where he has no choice but to let Mostert get first crack at it this season. But as soon as he can play Tevin Coleman with a hot hand, we know he loves Tevin Coleman. We also know that he loves Jerry McKinnon. They paid Jarek McKinnon a lot of money a couple years ago to come in and be a, not a bell cow, but be a focal point of that running game. So if Jarek McKinnon is healthy and they feel like they can get him on the field in a significant role, you better bet your bottom dollar he's going to be on the field. So that's already two other guys behind, besides Raheem Moser who are definitely going to have roles. Not to mention we know... He'll bring in Jeff Wilson Jr. for no reason here and there. Hell, would it surprise you if all of a sudden Jeff Wilson Jr. became the specialized goal line guy? No. You can't put anything past Kyle Shanahan. So until some guys get hurt, until some guy becomes overwhelmingly hot, I don't know how much I even want to touch the San Francisco backfield. And if I do, it sure as hell ain't going to be Raheem Mostert. I'm going to take one of the later round guys. So there's kind of a quick note there. And as far as Debo Samuel himself, we, t- we talked about but he looked about 75% of himself when he was sprinting on the sidelines. That was what the report was. Moving on to the Seattle Seahawks, Chris Carson coming back has had off-the-field issues. It's why he hasn't been practicing as much as some of the other guys. It has not been injury-related in any kind of capacity. But he has had some off-the-field stuff, some family stuff that he's had to attend to. In that time period, since he's been back... There has been nothing but praise. They say Chris Carson's looks great. Now, you know, when it comes to Pete Carroll, he always is going to praise his guys probably more so than maybe even more so than any other coach out there. But the fact is that as long as he's being praised, as long as he looks good, we know Chris Carson's going to be the guy. We know that he is somebody who has been has still hasn't played 16 games yet in his career, but has been getting closer to that mark over the past couple of years. So that's interesting as well. Um, and then when on top of that, you have, and we just have some news coming across that the Miami Dolphins are trying to put out some trade offers there for Josh Rosen. Uh, just a little FYI as we were recording this show. Um, and then on top of that, you have, you know, Carlos Hyde, who's clear cut handcuff and nothing else. Rashad Penny, we don't know when he's going to come back. We still haven't heard any word on Rashad Penning whether or not he's going to just start the season on the pup list. That is our expectation here at the MD's Fantasy Football Show. But regardless, Carlos Hyde's better. Sorry, he is. Rashad Penny is nothing special. And I don't care if they spent a first-round pick on him. Chris Carson's beating him out consistently who they spent a sixth-round pick on. 
Chris Carson's the guy. And even if or when Rashad Penny comes back, he's not going to be in there in a significant way. And like I said, it's a guy who's been getting closer to playing 16 games in a season over the past couple of years. And he's going to be one of the true workhorse backs available in your drafts, especially when you're talking about the third or fourth round, which is about the territory in which he's going. He's one of the true guys that you know he's going to probably get 18 to 20 carries because as much people as uh, I don't care how many people out there want to chant for Russell Wilson to cook, he's not going to. Now, to that point, we are getting news, um, not just the second, but when the show first started, actually, that Josh Gordon is going to be re signed by the Seattle Seahawks as soon as he's reinstated, which uh, from what I'm reading, he might have already been reinstated and he's already signed. So Josh Gordon's going to be back in the mix. That's crazy. I mean, that, that helps Russell Wilson on a whole other level. But you have Josh Gordon, A.J. Brown, and, uh, I'm sorry, not A.J., D.K. Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett in that receiving core. I don't know if, if it moves Russell Wilson in our rankings at all because we already had him as QB4, and I don't know if the Josh Gordon moves enough to have him overtake Dak Prescott, who we have at number three. But it sure as hell puts another level on his floor another level on his ceiling and the cool thing about this is that I don't know how much it really takes away from DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett I mean Josh Gordon is going to play on the outside DK Metcalf is going to play on the outside Tyler Lockett is still going to go on his in and out in the slot role so that doesn't change for him of the two at this point in their careers DK Metcalf is still the more explosive target on the perimeter so I still, he's still going to get his targets, number two. But what Josh Gordon does, is he just adds another element to the offense. He has another element for Russell Wilson in his fantasy game. What I will say it might do is it might hurt the tight end position a little bit. Not that you were drafting Greg Olson or Will Disley early anyway. These guys were nothing but sleepers to begin with. But it might hurt the yardage and the targets because it might be very heavily focused towards the wide receivers now this season. And Josh Gordon himself... I haven't, you know, this news just came out. So I haven't had the chance to implement this as to what I think he's going to project and wind up with for this season yet. I mean, that's, we're going to get to that this weekend. And we're also going to get to, by the way, while I'm talking about that, we're also going to get to our week one rankings uh, by this weekend as well. Make sure those are up and good to go for you guys. Uh, So you have that, and that'll be all available to you on the www.bellyupfantasysports.com website. Just so you guys are aware of that. But it sure as hell amplifies Russell Wilson. And I don't know if Josh Gordon himself is going to have a lot of fantasy value, but that Seattle offense is looking pretty good right about now. Chris Carson's never going to see eight, nine guys in the box. That's for sure. And maybe this will force Brian Schottenheimer to throw the ball a little bit more. But Brian Schottenheimer is still going to stick to his roots for the most part. This isn't going to be a team that suddenly starts throwing the ball 60% of the time. It's not going to happen. The most you could hope for is a 55-45 split. That's the absolute most. So Carson's still going to get his, you know, 16 to 20 carries. Next, guys, we want to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, as far as Pittsburgh Steelers go, we have a lot lot of questions. And really, it's all centered around Ben Roethlisberger and what his health is at the moment. And... You know, he comes out and he says that he's been dealing with elbow soreness or stiffness or some kind of elbow injury for the past 
15 years, the way he puts it. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And from reports in camp are that he's changed his throwing motion to some degree. Hopefully not too drastically. Hopefully it's not going to be too much of a hindrance. Because if Ben Roethlisberger can return to Ben Roethlisberger form, which I am counting on is going to be able to be the case, Juju Smith-Schuster is somebody who becomes a high-end wide receiver too with possibly a wide receiver one top 10 ceiling. He's going to be able to go back into the slot. Now, I wasn't big on Juju Smith-Schuster, if you guys were listening to the show last year, the, this past this time past season. I, I had him as one of my bus candidates. And obviously, I didn't know that Rosberg was going to go down and it was going to be as bad as it wound up being. But the reason he was one of my bus candidates is because it wasn't just because Antonio Brown was gone. It was what that meant for Schuster. Brown being gone last year was setting up Schuster to have to play on the perimeter more often than not. He's not nearly as effective out there. Now, this season, he still doesn't have Antonio Brown, but I'm much higher on him. In fact, I have him pretty close to where people had Smith-Schuster last year. And the reason for that is simple. He can go back into the slot. You're going to have Deontay Johnson on the perimeter. And whether it's James Washington or Chase Claypool, which we're going to talk about in another note in a second, on the other outside, Schuster will get to primarily play in the slot. And as long as he has a healthy Ben Roethlisberger and he's playing in the position that he's the most effective in, then you can expect big things out of Juju Smith-Schuster this season. I don't think it should come as a shock to anybody. So if you're sleeping on him because he burned you last year, I'm telling you right now, wake up. And if he comes to you at value, take him. Don't hesitate. Don't think about being burned by him last season. It sets He's in a better situation last year than this year, excuse me, than he was going into the season last year before Roethlisberger get hurt because he's going to be able to play where he's most effective. Connor has, all reports have been he's been in great shape and that's been since day one. And Tomlin sounds like he's going to give him his crack to be the featured guy. Doesn't sound like it's going to be a committee. It's not going to be Anthony McFarlane on third downs. It's not going to be Jalen Samuels on third downs. It sounds like James Conner is going to get his crack early on in the season to be the guy. If he is in better shape than what he was, and he is a, and if he is able to stay healthier, which I know is a big if, but this is a guy who has top 10 running back potential if you tell me right now that he's going to play 16 games with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger. Again, it all comes back to Big Ben, but assuming Big Ben's health, this is a guy who has top 10 potential. Another reason why I think taking him in the third, fourth round, which is about where he's been going in, in pretty much any scoring format, is an absolute steal. 
you're getting great value. Because you also know, first of all, his risk is baked in with his third or fourth round pickup. And if you do take James Conner, you don't have to draft a handcuff. Now, from all reports, the handcuff, as far as the carries go, is going to be Benny Snell. Jalen Sanders is still on this team. And then you have Anthony McFarlane, who outside of special teams, is still a question mark how much he's really going to play in the reality situation. Again, I look at McFarlane kind of the same similar light as Antonio Gibson. There's lots of people out there who are blown away by his athleticism and just just based off of that, project him to play. What they're not taking in consideration is the reality of the situation within the team. And the reality situation within the team is that he's a special teams guy. If they cut Jalen Samuels, that would be a different story. But they didn't do that. And Benny Snell is going to be the carry guy. We know there's going to be a third down specialist back if Benny Snell has to come in and take over. It's not going to be his role. But if Samuels is still on the team, why would it be McFarlane? I mean, Samuels is producing that third down role. He's definitely way more trustworthy as a pass protector in those situations when he's back there in the backfield protecting Ben Robsberger, which, bet your bottom dollar, is going to be the number one priority this season after what they had to go through last year. So why would McFarland play a lot? And all that to say is that you could take Connor without having to necessarily take a handcuff because no one's going to draft Benny Snell if you, they don't have James Connor. No one's going to draft Jalen you know Samuels. No one's going to draft Anthony McFarland. Well, I take that back. There might be somebody who thinks they're smart by drafting Anthony McFarland, but I'm telling you right now that they're taking the one guy who's not looking down the barrel at possible playing time if James Connor goes down. I'm telling you that right now. They're taking a special teams guy. That's the reality of what's been happening in camp. As far as the receiver goes between Washington and Claypool, Claypool's been impressing. And been impressing so much that he is actually battling James Washington right now for that starting third receiver perimeter slot. The expectation is that James Washington will still be the guy come week one, but the fact that Claypool was able to push him to the brink now that turns into a true battle because it was supposed to be James Washington's job from the get-go, I think tells you all you need to know. And I've been on this James Washington is a bust for forever now. I keep pointing out last year that they brought in Dante Moncrief, who they had to cut a few weeks into the season, who was hurt for most of training camp, and still initially beat out James Washington for the starting job week one. Stop trying to tell me that James Washington is a sneaky talent. Stop trying to tell me that he's a great down-the-field stretcher. He's not. He ran a 4-6. He's not that fast. He's not that explosive. You know who is big, tall, explosive, and actually can truly stretch the field and fits Ben Roethlisberger's mold for a bigger receiver to a T? Chase Claypool. So if he's not the starter week one, I don't think it will be too long into the season before he is. That's going to be another guy we're going to keep keeping our eyes on. Because he, he grades out to me very similar to a Martavius Bryant. And we all know what Martavius Bryant was able to do in his rookie season. Now, he's not in the same situation that Martavius Bryant was that year because Martavius Bryant was in a situation where he was coming into a path to be the second most targeted wide receiver on that team. Even if Claypool usurps James Washington, you're still going to have to deal with Schuster. You're still going to have to deal with Deontay Johnson. So he's not going to be quite in that similar situation. He's going to be more boomer bust than that. But I do like him quite a bit. And you're talking DFS, cheap guys. He's going to be somebody that we talk about throughout the season. Before we get to the Philadelphia Eagles, I do want to talk to you guys about a sponsor of the show called PropMe. PropMe is a new innovative gaming platform and really the first of its kind. 
PropMe makes betting from person to person more easy than ever. Designed for new and experienced gamblers alike, using straightforward prop bets that can literally be created on anything. You want to bet on what that next play will be? Then create a prop. You want to bet on who's going to win that game of beer pong? Well, then create a prop. It takes hanging out with your friends to a whole new level. So join today by downloading the PropMe app or go to PropMeLLC.com. Moving on here, having to pick up the pace a little bit. We got the Philadelphia Eagles. His week one is now in question. It went from, we weren't worried about him week one. He was going to be okay. To he's still week to week. And it is questionable with the hamstring injury. Now, here's what I will find interesting. The Philadelphia Eagles have yet to try and bring in a veteran. They haven't brought in Devontae Freeman or really anybody else to add depth. And if if Miles Sanders were to miss, I would have to imagine they would think they would need to add depth because then all of a sudden you're left with nothing but Boston Scott and Corey Clement on the depth chart. I don't see how you're going to be okay with that come week one. So as long as they still haven't signed anybody, I would still say they're probably leaning towards Miles Sanders being available for week one. But this is something that we're going to have to keep our eyes on over the next week and a half. And if you're going into your drafts this past weekend, or this upcoming weekend, I should say, just something to keep in mind. We're big on Miles Sanders here. We have him ranked very high. But if you're coming down to a tiebreaker between him and an Austin Eckler or him and uh, and uh, you know Kenyon Drake or, or something along those lines... This could be the tiebreaker. We're going to talk about Kenny and Drake in the Arizona Cardinals tomorrow, by the way. Alshon Jeffrey, there still hasn't been any developments as far as whether or not he's actually going to start on the pup list. Their deadline, I believe, is this Tuesday for, for guys who are going to have to start on the pup list. Um, he's definitely not going to be around for week one or week two. The idea is that if he avoids the pup list, that a week three or week four return could be in the cards. That's if he avoids the pup list. So something just kind of keep in mind there. We're still leaning towards he winds up on the pup, but we're not 100% sure. And even if he does come back, we don't know what kind of Alshon Jeffrey we're getting at this point. Jalen Rager is definitely going to miss week one. It looks like he might even be missing week two after the shoulder injury that he sustained in practice in the scrimmage the other day. Um, so what's left of the wide receiver position for the Philadelphia Eagles, at least for week one purposes, is going to be J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Greg Ward, and Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson against the Washington Redskins in a situation where he should be the number one targeted wide receiver for that team. Give me a lot of Deshaun Jackson week one. Give me a lot of Deshaun Jackson week one. He was already one of our top sleepers. And if he goes off week one and Alshon Jeffrey does not hit the pup list, all of a sudden you might be looking at a guy who you have a sell-high asset on your hands if you wanted to go if you wanted to go that route. But you might not even have to. You might not even have to because if Jalen Rager is going to miss the amount of time that he might miss, even when he comes back, he might not be ready to go. So right now, Deshaun Jackson's fantasy value is all dependent upon him and his health because he is in a great situation to really, really blow past his ADP and really be a game changer for fantasy owners right now, especially to start off the year. So keep that in mind. Goddard came back. He's practicing with the cast after that hairline fracture in his thumb. I don't know. If he's still, he might. There's a very good chance he might be playing with this cast all season long. There's a, there's a decent chance that winds up being the case. How that affects him in the passing game, how it affects him in blocking, not really sure. If he's able to come back and practice with the cast, it means he's probably at least able to be competent in all these areas. So I'm not overly concerned about it, but it is something to kind of take note of uh, for a guy who was a sleeper tight end for a lot of people. Moving on to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, 
I don't know why this is still an argument. Everyone seems to keep harping on the Adam Schefter report of, well, I'd be worried if they got to week one without a contract. I Dalvin Cook's already come out and said himself that he fully plans on, not only did they break off talks, they're not talking right now. So they're not going to have a contract by week one. But both him and the Minnesota Vikings have been consistent on he's preparing for the 2020 season and he's preparing under the idea that he's going to be playing on his rookie deal and kind of a prove-it situation where if I can provide you with superstar production again this season and 13 to 14 games played so I can stay relative, I can once again prove that I can stay relatively healthy, then he's going to get his big contract next season. But he's already come out and said he's going to play on his rookie deal. So I don't know why this is still something that people harp on or worry about. Don't worry about drafting Dalvin Cook this weekend. Don't. As far as Justin Jefferson goes, it sounds like he is going to be operating from the slot receiver position. He's going to be operating as the number three. A lot of people wanted to take this out of context and say, like, oh, maybe Justin Jefferson is not going to be the fantasy impact as a rookie that we all thought he could be. This doesn't mean just because he's going to be the number three receiver that he's going to be anything less than the second targeted receiver. All this means is that he secured the slot position. They've already come out and said that. He is the slot receiver. Now, I think that kills Adam Thielen because we've talked about this on the show. Why Adam Thielen is a big bust for us is because he's not nearly as effective without Stephon Diggs and without being in the slot. And he's going to be doing both of those things this season. So that's why we're not big on Adam Thielen here. But all this means is that when they go two receivers then instead of Justin Jefferson on the field, it might be B.C. Johnson. And that makes sense to me because the Kubiak system, which is a derivative of the Mike Shanahan system, likes receivers who are bigger physical and can block better on the perimeter when you're in two receiver sets to help with the running game. B.C. Johnson fits that mold more than Justin Jefferson does at this point in his career anyway. So it doesn't surprise me. But it doesn't mean B.C. Johnson's going to be the guy who winds up getting more targets than Justin Jefferson by the end of the season. It doesn't. As far as Miami goes, Fitzpatrick is going to be the starter for week one. We just talked about how in this show, we just got word that Josh Rosen uh, is being shopped. And I'm trying to see here now. Just in case there's any more updates on that. There hasn't been any more updates on that. But look, with Rosen being shot, that obviously is not significant in any kind of fantasy senses. What it does do is reinforce the idea that Tua Tagovailoa is, in fact, healthy. That That's really what it reinforces. So it's only a matter of time before he takes over. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not going to be the starting quarterback for all 16 games. He just He's just going to be the starter for week one. And the way Miami's schedule sets up, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe it's the first five games. They have a brutal schedule. So it could be Fitzpatrick just gets them through the hole for the first couple of games, and then they'll bring in Tua Tagovailoa after that. Because this, this is a team that, while it's improved, it's still not very good as far as talent goes. So I think they're still going to have a rough road ahead of them this season. And if, you know, as far as what that does, if Tua takes over at some point, for Ryan Fitzpatrick, if you're asking yourself, does that affect the wide receivers in any kind of capacity? No. No, it doesn't. Tua Tagovailoa is a super talent to a Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I'm I'm not worried about it. And because it's Chan Gailey, he's still going to be aggressive. 
I don't think they're suddenly going to play a much different offense with Tagliavo out there than they would with Ryan Fitzpatrick either. So again, just I'm not worried about it. I, that doesn't that doesn't affect my Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, the idea that Tagliavo may be in sooner rather than later. The Saints, they were the other flip coin of this crazy, crazy week. And we actually, we have a mailbag question that's going to be talking about that too. Um, so Kamara, this is the only note that we have for them because there actually hasn't been too many things coming out of the Saints camp really. There hasn't been, they've been pretty much one of the healthiest teams, honestly. Um, Kamara, of course, he had those unexcused absences, you know, says because of an epidural shot, but... We, you know, we know it's more of a contract negotiation con- uh, uh, tactic that has to take place now that teams, uh, players, I should say, can't really hold out anymore. Um, he was back at practice yesterday. Says that he's not holding out. And, and you know, it, Tuesday was just crazy. It went. The Saints were like, "Oh, we're willing to shop him if we can get a first rounder." And look, from what I understand from that whole situation is that that day they did not make the progression in the contract negotiations that they were expecting to. And there seemed to be quite a bit of miscommunication between the Kamara camp and the Saints camp, where it was coming out of the Kamara camp that were pushing for Christian McCaffrey-like money, and the Saints were like, hell no. And that was a shock to them because that's not what had been in contract negotiations up until that point. So that was where everything just started flying, flying by. Kamara and Sean Payton have sat down and talked to one another since then. He got back on the practice field. That seems to be all shaken out. So if you're worried about Alvin Kamara, don't be. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a mailbag question that we have later on. Uh, The New England Patriots, as far as they go, a lot of different things. So Damian Harris, and this, this got followed up actually this morning right before we went on. So Damian Harris missed the past couple of practices because of a hand injury. Apparently, he had pinky surgery. It sounds like he's going to miss week one. Sony Michelle has been back at practice. For what it's worth, the report on Sony Michelle has been he's back to his form, that he looks good in training camp. We'll see what that means actually on the field, how that's all going to portray out. We'll see what that means as far as the James White getting involved. Could a Rex Burkhead still get involved? But what we do know is that this now clears the way that at least for week one, Sony Michelle will be the starting running back and Damien Harris will probably be scratched. And then it's going to be a matter of what happens after that heading into the upcoming weeks. But if, I, I've stayed firm on this. If Sony Michelle is going to wind up being the week one starter... I think everybody has to throw out their whole sleeper Damian Harris thing because I don't think he's going to wind up, barring an injury, that is, and it's possible, Sonny Michelle's not the most durable guy in the world. Barring an injury, Damian Harris is not going to be in a situation to just usurp Sonny Michelle as long as Sonny Michelle was the week one starter, and that's the way it's breaking out to be. So it's going to take an injury. So to me, he's nothing more than a low-end handcuff because even when he comes in the game, James White's not going anywhere. At, 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 At minimum, James White's not going anywhere. So, I would try to keep that in mind. I'm not bothering to draft Damian Harris. I'm taking Sony Michelle late because there's there's a very low floor when it comes to Sony Michelle. Now, there's an interesting ceiling when it comes to him too because you're going to play Cam Newton for all intents and purposes. Going to be the quarterback week one. They haven't officially announced that yet, but that sounds like what's going to be the case. Not that we were surprised or ever thought that was going to be anything different. But if the Patriots do what we think they're going to do, which play a more physical type of offense. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And they have Cam Newton, who's a scrambling quarterback, which, historically speaking, boosts the running back efficiency, then Michelle might actually have a better ceiling than people realize this season. But there is still a very low floor just given it's the Patriots' backfield, and God only knows who's going to play from week to week. The big news coming out of them this week, of course, was Muhammad Sanu being cut. That was, I mean, that was yesterday. Shocking to a lot of people. Um, first of all, waste of a trade asset that they did last year. That's, that's probably the number one issue. But then on top of all that, this is a receiving core that was already light at best. And now you find yourself in a situation where it's like, okay, you have Julian Edelman. You're hoping your young star, Nikhil Harry, is able to do something. But Nikhil Harry, in his own right, is somebody that has been talked about as not getting separation. And when one of the few players in the NFL that has not had raving reviews. And I mean, this is a big reason why, if you go back you know, a year ago and go back to some of the college tape breakdowns that we do. I was not big on Nikhil Harry on this show because I thought he struggled with separation at the college level and figured that he probably would do it again at the NFL level. And that because he's not just a bigger body at the NFL level that he was at the college level, that he was going to wind up being a bust if he got drafted too early. Now, I can't say that he's a bust yet. I can't say that I was right yet. But of going into his second season in training camp, the report on him is not positive. It's a critique, and the critique is that he's still failing to separate. That could be a real issue. Cam Newton's not the most accurate quarterback in the world. And he typically throws it to guys who are either just bigger than everybody else, which Nikhil Harry is not. I mean, he's not small, but he's only about six foot, six foot one. This is not an overly huge guy. He throws it to the guys who get separation. So, Mohamed Sanu going, that might raise the floor and raise the value of a Julian Edelman. Because now, all of a sudden, there's just an ungodly amount of targets that could be advocated his way. With Mohamed Sanu now gone, I don't, who's the third receiver going to be? We don't even know. We don't, we don't know if it matters. That, that's probably the more important, uh, accurate statement there. We don't know if it matters. Next up, we got the New York Jets. Now, for them, there's been a lot. You know, Adam Gase is just doing Adam Gase things. You, you trade a conditional pick for Kalen Balazs for no reason, and not that anyone can think of. He doesn't even pass the physical, so that trade winds up being coming null and void anyway. Then you sit there and you what, <laughs> you give Frank Gore forty percent of the first team reps. Uh. Frank Gore, who all he can do is fall forward for two yards at this point in his career, you're giving him 40% of the reps. Look, Le'Veon Bell, as far as his ranking goes, and one of the, we, we did, I didn't have to bring him down because it just, I really did not think 
that Adam Gase was really going to be able to do Adam Gase things to the point that Le'Veon Bell wasn't just going to touch the ball almost all the time like he did a season ago because he's by far their best offensive player that they have. And at the end of the day, you're just going to have to give it to him. But if he's if he's really been giving 40% of the reps to Frank Gore all training camp long and is saying over and over again that that is going to be his plan for the regular season, well, then at least for the first few weeks, that probably is what he's going to attempt to do. And therefore, I had to bring down Le'Veon Bell a little bit. Now, here's what saves Bell in my mind. I love, I love that he's been talking out against the coach. I love that he's been out there publicly saying that I have a problem with being taken off the field. I think, I think that's a great thing for a player to have is to have that edge. The second thing is that nothing is going to get in his way as far as his volume for the receiving game. Nothing. Le'Veon Bell is going to be as safe as they come as far as actually catching the football. So I'm not worried about him from that aspect either. So he's still going to get a ton of volume at the end of the day, even if it winds up being a 60-40 split, which I still don't have it wind up being that much, but I do have Frank Gore being more involved than I thought he would be. He's still going to get the most important thing, which is the passing volume. Guess what? The Jets suck. They're going to have to come back from behind a lot. And it sounds like there's going to be instances where Frank Gore and Le'Veon Bell are on the field at the same time because they're so desperate for wide receivers that they're just going to line up Bell as a wide receiver. He's still going to have a safe floor because he's still going to have a safe amount of volume heading his way. The one thing I've harped on where I think he has a better ceiling than most want to give him credit for is because that offensive line with Makai Becton should at least improve. If nothing else, should at least improve on the goal line situation. Should at least be able to get a push in those situations, which should open up the door for Le'Veon Bell to get at least a few more touchdowns than the pathetic three that he got a season ago. So that could be another boost for him as well. Next, we want to talk about the Giants. Golden Tate, he left practice on Monday with a lower leg issue. We are still keeping our eyes on that. He still has not returned to practice. Evan Ingram, for all intents and purposes, has been explosive. He has looked healthy. He has been the mismatch that they want him to be. We've talked about Evan Ingram at nauseum. Look, he's a tight end with a lot. Of, we, know, we know he's a tight end with top five potential. We know he is. It's just a matter of whether he can stay healthy or not. We know that he's probably the best mismatch target outside of Saquon Barkley, best mismatch target as far as the pass catchers not named Barkley go, on the Giants. We know that when he was on the field, Daniel Jones liked throwing him the football more than probably anybody else. So this will be interesting to see. If Golden Tate does miss week one, right now the indication seems to be he's not going to, but if he does miss week one, I think that would boost Darius Slayton. I think it's only a matter of time before Darius Slayton becomes the number one wide receiver of this offense. It just might not be until the second half or until after Shepard and Golden Tate get injured which I think is probably you know, just a matter of when, not if, at this point. That pretty much is it for the Giants. The Raiders, they had some big news come out. Tyra Williams, after going from, I'm going to try to play through my torn labrum to, you're going on the inactive list. You're out of here. So now all of a sudden we have Brian, Brian Edwards, who's been, been talked up all training camp, and has been talked up as he was going to be the starting X wide receiver anyway. Just the thought was that he might be on the opposite side of Tyra Williams. But Edwards is going to start. And if Tyra Williams is gone, well, I have to think that that opens now the door up for Henry Ruggs, who I think they did want to play in the slot a little bit more. But you have Henry Ruggs, you have Hunter Renfro, you have Nelson Aguilar. That's three guys who are really 
better at the slot. The only one of those guys that I could see playing the perimeter on a consistent basis would be Henry Ruggs. That's it. So this does open up the door again for Hunter Renfro, because I thought Hunter Renfro was probably going to be usurped within the first couple of weeks completely by Henry Ruggs if you had Tyra Williams and Brian Edwards out there. But now that's not going to be the case, you might have Hunter Renfro and Henry Ruggs out there at the same time anyway. I'm not saying that Hunter Renfro becomes a fantasy valuable guy because he's he's not. All right. Athleticism matters. Talent matters. Two things Hunter Renfro does not have. Let's let's make sure we keep that clear. But this does open up the door specifically for Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs. They moved up my board a little bit more. I'll see if I can pull it up for you guys real quick. But the one thing that this does solidify is that they are definitely, definitely uh, valuable pieces to take late. Definitely guys with high ceilings you can go after. Um, it boosted up Henry Ruggs to my wide receiver 54. It boosted up Brian Edwards to my wide receiver 50. But with much higher upside than what they're ranked at, obviously. What I think this does do is this is amplifies Josh Jacobs even more. Because if it wasn't clear before that the offense was going to run through Josh Jacobs, I think it sure as hell becomes clear now because you're sure as hell not going to lean on two rookie wide receivers. I think this also opens up the door for Darren Waller to maybe still not get back on the level that he was last season, but get closer to it than we were necessarily expecting him to before because now he becomes your most veteran, present, chemistry pass catcher with Derek Carr. So I think this also boosts Darren Waller, not necessarily in the rankings, but to where his floor might have been otherwise. Next up, and the last thing that we're going to talk about in today's show, we're going to talk about the other 16 teams tomorrow in the Around the Fantasy World Part 2. But the last team we're going to talk about in today's show is the Rams. Daryl Henderson still may be back for week one. He's still doing uh, running drills, individual work on the rehab field outside of practice. But even the thing with him now is that at this point, being that we're a week and a half away from their game, even if he's able to come back, or let's say let's say it this way, even if he's able to be active, I don't know how much role he's going to have, period. So that's going to be a problem. That's definitely going to be a problem. So we're going to have to see how that all plays out, quite frankly. Hopefully, he'll be okay. Because I still think Darrell Henderson's the best running back in this backfield. That's right. I think he's better than Cam Akers. I liked his talent last year. Didn't want to find the field because, well, Todd Gurley never actually got hurt like people thought he was going to. And people consistently underestimate how much the Rams, in fact, like Malcolm Brown. And to go to that point, if Darrell Henderson doesn't play much week one, I think you're going to see a hell of a lot more of Malcolm Brown than anybody expected. And I almost guarantee you he's going to be the bona fide starter. Cam Akers be worked in a little bit more. But to me, this is cloudies up the backfield even more as to what to expect. Does it pave the way for the Cam Akers believers for this season? Now, I'm a Cam Akers believer, just not for this year. But the Cam Akers believers for this season, does, does this help his case? Yeah, absolutely. But it's not going to happen week one. He's not going to be. He's not going to walk in and be the featured guy week one. I want to make sure everybody in MD Nation understands that. It's going to be Malcolm Brown, and then it's going to be Cam Akers. The question after that becomes: 
when Darrell Henderson is more than just active, when he's actually back in the rotation, has he fallen so far behind after missing the past few weeks of camp that Cam Akers is able to take advantage of that with the touches that he does get? That's going to be the question. Otherwise, I remain firm on Henderson's going to be the main pass catcher, Brown's going to be the main goal line guy, and Cam Akers might get what's left in between, which for fantasy purposes means don't touch anybody in this Rams backfield. Cooper Cup, at first the report was an ankle sprain. Then they said, no, it's not an ankle sprain, it's ankle soreness. He still hasn't practiced from what I understand. He might be a limited capacity. He is doing individual work, but uh, they have remained steadfast that he will be okay for week one. Uh, and Tyler Higby, the reports for him have been that he's actually been, since since Cup has gone down, that is, he has actually been the number one target for Jared Goff, and he still gets targeted like crazy in practice. And he's definitely still the starter for all of you Gerald Everett people out there. So Tyler Higby may be establishing that he is somebody who belongs in that top 10 tight end conversation. Picking up where he did from last picking off picking up where he left off from last year. Before we get into the mailbag segment, I do want to talk to you guys about Trophy Smack. Commemorate your league winner in the best possible way. There's no other company in the business that does it better than Trophy Smack. They create trophies of all sizes, belts and rings with a variety of colors along with free engraving and free shipping. And now you can get a free ring with your purchase of a trophy or belt if you use the promo code BELLYUP. So click on your Trophy Smack link on Twitter or on Facebook or go to trophysmack.com and use the promo code BELLYUP on your order today. All right, so last but not least, we have the mailbag segment for today's show. Remember, if you ever want to get on any future mailbag segments or if you just need to have your fantasy dilemmas answered make sure you contact us on social media at belly up mdff show make sure you call in the md nation hotline 609-362-2480 now getting to our we have i just pulled out three questions today because again i knew we were going to be over an hour because we just had a lot to get through tyrone from facebook asked me cooper woods or brandon cooks i assume in a half-point PPR league, which one would you prefer? So Amari Cooper, Robert Woods, or Brandon Cooks? This is a no-brainer for this show. This is Amari Cooper. And I, I question if Tyrone's been listening to this. He might be a new listener. Uh, Amari Cooper is our number five wide receiver. That has not changed. Go to bellyupfantasysports.com. You can look at our rankings for standard half-point, full-point PPR. And I don't care what scoring format it is. He is our number five receiver overall. We are telling you he's going to be an elite wide receiver one. He is going to get to play the slot. He's going to get the best matchups of the three receivers because you're going to have Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb play on the outside. So they just paid Amari Cooper $20 million, guys. Do you really think after that investment, their number one focus isn't going to make sure Amari Cooper gets the ball first and then everybody else in the pass catching game? Come on. Use your heads. I know they paid him before they realized they are going to be able to draft C.D. Lamb, but for this season, this is Amari Cooper's wide receiving corps. This is his target share. And if he's going to be allowed to play in the slot and get all the best matchups, who's going to stick him? You can't double him. You got Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb on the outside. Dak Prescott who plays out of his mind with Kellen Moore. Blake Jarwin, Ezekiel Elliott. No defense can key on any one thing in this Dallas Cowboy offense. It's going to be one of the best offenses in the NFL this season. And that's why we have Amari Cooper being one of the best receivers to have from a fantasy standpoint. So this isn't close for us as far as these three receivers go. 
Next question, AK17409 from Twitter asked me, Kamara, this was the question I was talking about earlier, Kamara, news has turned my head into a pretzel. Should I draft him at number five or no? Uh, 100% unequivocally yes. The only scoring format where Kamara is not our number two running back overall is standard, and he's still a number four. So if you're telling me if, I draft, if you have a chance to draft him at number five, I don't care what scoring format you're in, you're getting Kamara at value. We already talked about this. He's not holding out. He's going to play week one, whether there's a contract done or not. And from all indications, they've been making progress each and every day towards a contract extension. So there's a really real possibility that there will be a contract extension in place for Alvin Kamara before week one even kicks off. But even if there's not, there's no worry, no concern in my mind about him missing games and a holdout. None whatsoever. So you go ahead and draft Alvin Kamara at number five. Katie from Facebook asked me, Tyler Boyd or Julian Edelman PPR week one this was made a little bit more interesting. I think I would have leaned. I think I was going to lean towards Edelman anyway because the Week One matchup is Tyler Boyd against the Chargers, while you have Julian Edelman against the Dolphins. And while that Dolphins secondary has improved, I still Julian Edelman was still going to be the number one target overall for the team. Where it could be AJ Green for Tyler Boyd against a tough Chargers defense, a tough Chargers secondary, even without Thurman James. Now you get rid of Mohamed Sanu. I question Nikhil Harry's ability to get open. Julian Edelman might be the only trustworthy target that Cam Newton's even going to have. And his first time playing in this offense week one, he's going to play it safe. And by playing it safe, it's going to be a lot of checkdowns. I expect James White to be heavily involved. But most importantly, in, in this questions instance at least, I expect Julian Edelman to be very involved. I expect him to be pushing 8 to 10 targets in this game. So I definitely would like Julian Edelman over Tyler Boyd in this situation. That's going to wrap up this show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We are going to be back, like I said, tomorrow with the Around the Fantasy World Part 2. So make sure you answer us on mailbag questions. Make sure you look us up on Twitter. Make sure you listen to us on our favorite podcast app. Subscribe. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. That helps out the show so much. I don't care where from. iTunes or or, or, or Spotify or wherever you want to learn, wherever you want to leave it for us. Helps out the show a ton. Make sure you're watching us on Sportscaster, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, and now newly available on Twitch. So watch us on there too. We'll be back here tomorrow, guys. You all stay healthy and stay safe till then. And everyone, have a lovely day. Thank you for listening to Belly Up Sports. MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 